was a little shaky this morning. It's not because I was nervous. Pastor made me a strong cup of coffee. Tim and Terry got me wired up like I'm going into combat. You know, I'm always reluctant to give my testimony. The primary reason for that is because I don't want to glamorize Tim. I don't want to give any credit to it. But I'm going to tell you my story from the beginning to the end. It's a progression. You know, when we're born, we don't say to ourselves, I'm going to drink alcohol or I'm going to do drugs or I'm going to be sexually immoral. The first thing I want to do, though, is, is I want to say that I'm so thankful for having the unconditional and sacrificial love of my mother. She taught us discipline. She taught us hard work. She taught us respect. And she made sure that we went to church. That was part of our life. There was no question about it. On Sunday morning, we got up, we got dressed, and we went to church. Even on Wednesday nights. But most of all, I'm thankful for her unwavering faith, the example that she set, and for her prayers throughout the years. You know, the Scripture tells us to train up a child in the way she go, and they will never depart from it. And what we never take into consideration is this is a principle. We are sinful creatures, and we do have free will. And we are... And our choices can lead us down dark paths before we come back to the light. So now I'm going to tell you my story. First of all, I was saved in, on April 22nd, 1962, when I was in second grade. And one thing I had uh, during Sunday school when I was in elementary school was all my Sunday school teachers were men. And they were men who encouraged us to learn Bible verses, to learn the Scripture. But the one thing that lacked, as you're going to see as I give my testimony, is discipleship. It makes a big difference. Brother Howard, Brother Bachelor mean a lot to me because they instilled upon me to learn God's Word. My mom would probably tell you that I was a pretty independent child. I didn't need to be coddled all the time. Is that not true? I was independent. I didn't need to be hugged all the time or watched after all the time. When I started first grade, I had a speech problem. Now, Mom told me not to tell you this, but my speech problem was because I sucked my thumb. I stopped last week, though. But I had a choice. You know, uh, my mom told me that uh, I'd have to go to a special place to, to learn how to speak, but she said that uh, I stood in front of the mirror and, and practiced until I was able to speak correctly, and it must have worked. Because all through elementary school, my report card said the same thing. He's a great student, but he talks too much. And that is the truth. But when I started school, going through elementary school, once I learned to learn, I began to excel. And I was hungry to learn. And so... I got through elementary school and, and life was good. I was going to church. Uh, I love the missions. I love missions. As a matter of fact, when I got to the point where I could work and make money, I gave all my money to the missions. And I always thought that God had called me into the mission field. 
Before I went into high school, high school back then was seventh through ninth grade. How many of you remember those times? Before I went into high school, I chose to go to summer school so I could advance in math. And during my uh, junior high years, most of my classes were advanced classes. I stayed on the A and B honor roll. I played baseball. I became an all-star. I was very active in the youth department at the church uh, during my junior high years. And one thing we would do as junior high uh, kids in church is we'd go around the neighborhood and we would look for kids that were out doing things. We would invite them to church. We worked around the church. We did painting. Uh, we had many activities. We'd go to people's houses, cut the grass. And, and here's what I want you to hear me close. I loved church. Sounds good, doesn't it? I loved church. As I was going into high school uh, in 10th grade, some of you may remember that the Vietnam War was at its peak. The hippie movement had started. Peace, love, and all that. But the civil rights movement was at its peak too. They were beginning to integrate the schools. And where I, we were at, uh, the name of our school was called South, South Dade Rebels. Now, none of us really thought about the Civil War when we went to that school, even though we had a rebel flag and our uniforms were Confederate uniforms. I mean, that didn't even phase us. But what they did was they shut down an all-black high school, and they bust those kids to South Dade High School. And I don't blame them for being upset. I mean, some of these kids, that was their life. But uh, during that time in 10th grade, I was placed on what they call race relations. In other words, we would try to resolve the problems that we had. I was elected to student council. I was still making A's and B's. I was on the honor roll, and I was very active in the youth department at church. I love church. But the thing about that time in 10th grade, that it was a lot of conflict between the blacks and the whites. And we had riots. I remember the Ku Klux Klan uh, setting up at Harris Field and the Panthers uh, beginning to ride buses down. Uh, Homestead was a total mess. Was it not, Mom? It was a mess. It was dangerous to go to school. You didn't know if you were going to come out of there uh, alive or not. Now, I got to tell you this, that most of the kids didn't want anything to do with that. But there was always a handful of the whites and a handful of blacks who wanted to create the problems. Well, what took place in 10th grade, at least I would say two months, Pat, you can verify this, the whites met in the auditorium of the school and they boycotted the school. They left. The police had surrounded the school. They didn't want any students to leave, but we left anyway. We weren't able to take our final exams. But one thing, I was active in the youth department. I loved church. Keep that in mind what I'm telling you. I loved church. Upon 11th grade, on returning to school, there was still a lot of problems in the school. I was on the race relations committee trying to resolve the problems. I was still in sports. I was still on the honor roll. And for whatever reason, I made the decision that I was going to leave home and go live with my father. 
Why I did that, I do not know. Mom and I talked about it. I mean, she was raising eight kids. That's pretty difficult. Maybe in my mind, I thought maybe I'll just be a little less a burden if I leave. I went to another school, Killian High School. I got uh, involved with the wrong people. But I made that decision to do that. My grades dropped to C's and D's. And I was no longer going to church. When I went into 12th grade, I decided to go home. I'd had enough of being up there where my dad was at. But about two months into school that year, I got involved with a girl. And I made the decision, I chose to make the decision to get married. We didn't have to get married, but I made that decision. And my mother begged me not to do it. Well, I quit school. I went from the A and B honor roll to student council to play in sports to 12th grade. I'm quitting school at this time. Well, I started working for Winn-Dixie. I got married. Winn-Dixie said, look, if you get your high school diploma, then we will make you the second assistant manager in the Keys at a new store that I helped set up. So I went to night school and I tested out. I had the knowledge. I excelled at everything that I did. And we moved to the Keys. That marriage ended within one year. Now in my mind, I am thinking, what, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? A couple years later, I got married again. I still had not attended church. I remember, uh, and Pat can probably remember, they uh, had the church, I forget, it was, it was Diane and her husband, Don, uh, was having service down on the Keys. Church was no longer a part of my life. I had not attended church. But I got married again. And that is when alcohol was introduced into my life. I began going to the Holiday Inn and listening to stars like Willie Nelson who were up and coming. And all the stars would come in there to get their start. And I began to drink. After a while, we decided we were going to transfer to Wilmington, North Carolina. That's how I ended up here the first time. And I was around alcohol continually. It became a part of my life. Every day. I remember the pastor from Grace Baptist, I believe it was Hirsch and Hahn, came by the, uh, where we were building a bridge, my uncle and I. And we were down in the water and we were setting telephone poles. And he invited us to come to church. And my uncle said, if you come down here and help us, We'll go to church. But he didn't. I now look back. Brother Herschel Hahn's a good man. He's a good man. But I say, if he would have asked me that today, I would have climbed in there even if I was wearing a suit. But that's not the point. The point is, is we didn't want to go to church. But alcohol became a regular part of my life. Well, after a while, I got tired of Winn-Dixie. There was a lot of conflict going on. And without telling my wife at the time, 
I laid my keys on the counter. I walked across the street and I joined the Air Force. I was going to change my life. I wanted to change. Something was missing. I thought that I could get an education, maybe get into computers. I wanted to change something. Something was missing. When I was overseas, I went to Germany. My wife came over for a short period, and when she left, she filed for a divorce. We did have a son, though, Kelly, and I'm very proud of him. Now, there's something I have to tell you about these two women. They are both serving the Lord today, and I'm thankful for that. And we didn't have any ugly divorce. There wasn't no fighting or no conflict. But I'm looking at my life, and here I've got two failed marriages. What was I doing wrong? I told my uh, roommate, Terry, when I left to go finalize the divorce, I said, Terry, when I leave here, I want you to sell everything that I've got. He goes, why do you want to do that? I said, because I know that this divorce is going to go through, and when I come back, I've got one thing on my mind. I'm going to enjoy life, and I'm going to party. And this is where I started going further into the hole. Church had become a distant memory for me. I wasn't even thinking about church. And party I did. When I was over there, I was introduced to hashish. I started smoking hash. I drank every night. I got involved in immorality. When I left Bitburg, I was getting ready to leave Bitburg, Germany. I was over there for three and a half years. I was at Frankfurt Airport. We had to go through customs. When they opened up my bag, I had two other guys with me that were supposed to fly out too. When they opened up my bag, they found hashish pipes. The German officer stepped back and pulled out his weapon. He said, sir, come with me. He took me into the back room and they strip searched me. They tore everything I had apart. They checked my shaving cream, my toothpaste. But the pipes were clean because I'd cleaned them. So what they did was put my stuff back and my friends thought I was going to jail in Germany. They waved to me and said, Randy, see you later. Instead of what they did was they put a guard on me the whole time I was at Frankfurt Airport until I climbed on that plane. They wanted to make sure that I got on that plane. That should have been a red flag for me. Now I'm going to tell you something. My conscience bothered me. I was ashamed of the things I was doing, but yet I did them anyway. I didn't want my mother to find out what I was doing. I didn't want anybody that, that I had respect for knowing what I was doing. Well, they sent me from Bitburg, Germany to a base in Valdosta, Georgia. Moody Air Force Base. I was in the munitions department. That's what I did. The bombs, the missiles. But my lifestyle had not changed. In fact, I was beginning to push the limits with marijuana, alcohol, cocaine, whatever I could get my hands on. Bill Coleman, a friend of mine, while I was in Valdosta, Georgia, he got homesick. And he didn't have any money to go home. Well, at the time, I was working as a carpenter on the side, besides the military, so I was storing up money. And I told Bill Coleman, I said, Bill, look, I will pay for the trip. I will pay for the trip. 
because I need to get away for a while. Everything that I did involved alcohol and drugs. Everything. Now, I never did anything at work. In fact, let me go back to the military for a minute. Well, I'll go to that in just a second. But when we went to Ohio, that's where Bill lived. He wanted to stop by and see a friend of his, David. They lived in Dayton, Ohio. And we pulled up to the house, and Bill went up and knocked on the door, and Tammy came to the door. And she was holding a kitten. And I told Bill when he come back, he said, look, David's not here. And I said, I'm going to marry that woman. Two failed marriages, and I'm talking about marriage already. I said, I'm going to marry that woman. I'd met the love of my life. Well, I was able to talk Tammy into coming back to Valdosta, Georgia. I'm not filling in all the holes here, okay, because that's not important. But we got married in 1980. What I didn't realize at the time is that was God's grace to me. He knew what lie ahead. And He knew the path that I was taking. We got married in 1980. Before I got out of the military, we were having an alert. I was a supervisor in charge of getting the weapons out to the airplanes. And we were working 12, 14-hour shifts. And without realizing it, one day, I stuck a joint in my cigarette pack. I'm not going to tell you where the marijuana came from. That's not important. But we decided we were going to go off base. It was late. It was probably about 12 o'clock at midnight. And we were going to go through the back gate, cross the street, go over to the store and get something to eat. And on the way back into the base, there was police cars, about four police cars there when I came back through. And I asked them what they were doing. They said, well, we're just doing a security check. And I said, on the back gate? I believe that somebody turned me in because I'd turned them in for stealing the motorcycle is what I think took place. But that wasn't the point. The point was is that I was guilty. When they took us out of the car, I'd forgot that I'd stuck that joint in my pocket. And when they searched me, they told me to put everything on the car. And the way they saw it is when they began to check the car out, I was driving somebody else's car. And there was a hash pipe in the glove compartment. And when Bill, Bill was with me at the time, when he opened it up, that hash pipe fell on the floor. And I told him, I said, don't touch it, Bill. Well, that gave them cause to search. And they took us out. Well, when they took us down to the police station, they tested the marijuana and it was high grade. They asked me where I got it. I didn't tell them. They called my, one of my supervisors in. And they said, what do you want us to do? They said, send him back to work. He's one of the best supervisors we have. And then he calls me off to the side, and he said, Ledford, tell me you do not smoke marijuana. And I said, sir, I've been smoking marijuana for years. And he just shook his head. I lost a stripe that I'd worked so hard to get. They took part of my pay, 
and they gave me an Article 15. I tell you this, that should have been a red flag, but it wasn't. When I got out of the military, Tammy and I was going to move back to Homestead. That's where I was raised. We had another son by then. His name was Stephen. And I told Tammy, my mother was a righteous woman. In fact, the story I told her terrified her. She didn't want to meet my mother. And when we got married, we didn't tell anybody that we were getting married. We just got married. But little did I know that uh, one thing, when she met my mother, they formed a bond. And in 1983, when Tammy was pregnant with Jason, she went back to church. Prior to that, she was right beside me, but not as bad as I was. But something changed in her. She had gotten saved at a, at a conference or something. And she decided we were having trouble. I was getting out of control. She decided to go back to church. This is how prayer works. I had not changed. I was drinking. I was smoking dope. I was snorting cocaine. Was I providing for the family? Yeah, I was, I was providing for the family. That wasn't the point. Me and two other guys started our own business, Russell Screen. In order to get that business off, you have to sell jobs. When I'd get off work, I would go out to do estimates. And the first place I'd go after that was to the bar. I drank every day, 151 rum, smoked marijuana every day. In fact, sometimes I didn't even come home. Tammy asked me where you've been, I couldn't remember. I was destroying my marriage and my kids. I'd gotten to that point. I was miserable, and I didn't know why. And I remember people from the church would stop by to visit. Pastor Cooey came by one time. And I have a lot of respect for that man. And he came in the house, and I got a, a beer sitting there with a joint and my cigarettes. I used to smoke three packs of cigarettes a day. He didn't say a word. And then I think it was Ron Hampton. Chuck Small came by. Same thing. Got my marijuana sitting there, cigarettes, my beer. They didn't say a word. I have a lot of respect for that. But I was miserable. So in 1983, Tammy goes back to church. There come a point one time in our marriage, and she says she can't remember the story, but I do. She came and got me out of a bar. It's called the Roadrunner. And she drove me out to the Everglades. Told me to get out of the car. You did. And she closed the door and cracked the window and said, if you don't stop drinking, I'm leaving you here. All I can think about is the alligators and the snakes. And like anybody does, I promise I will stop. I promise I will stop. Well, I didn't stop. I used to drink 151 wrong. And when I drank it, I got mean. I got mean. I was miserable. 
I knew that my life was a mess. My conscience bothered me. I knew I was destroying my life and my wife's life and my kid's life. And then in 1988, something happened. I went to a bar that I'd never gone to before. I walked in, and most of you that have ever been in a bar, you know it's loud. The jukebox is playing, and if you're drunk, you talk louder. If you've ever been around people who drink, you just talk louder. It gets loud. It was loud. And I walked into that bar, and, and it was loud. And I walked up to the bar, and I said, I want a double 151 rum and Coke. And he set that drink in front of me, and I picked up that drink, and I turned around, and there was dead silence. This is God's grace. The Holy Spirit spoke to me as if it was verbal. I said, Randy, you're about ready to lose everything that you love. Everything that you love. And I set that drink back on that bar. Now, Tammy had been trying to get me to go to church, but I refused. My mom told her, keep praying for it. Keep praying for it. I went home that night. The next morning I got up and I said, I'm ready to go to church. I'm going to go to church with you this morning. Now remember this. When I went to church that day, I didn't even hear the pastor preach. I went to the altar, and this is what I told the Lord. Lord, I've been running with the devil long enough. I'm yours to do as you wish. Whatever you ask me to do, I will do it. Remember I said, I love the church. That was a good thing. But I never learned to love Jesus until that moment. You know, the Scripture tells us to keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. It's all right to love church, but church should follow your love for Jesus. So we can't get those priorities mixed up. He gave me a gift to be able to excel. He gave me intelligence. And I look back today and wonder if I would have just followed Him, what could I have done? I surrendered to serve Christ in whatever capacity was needed. I remember when uh, I went to the men's class, and I forget who was teaching it, but in about a month, they asked me to teach this class. And I'm still smoking marijuana. You talking about conviction? I said, Lord, I can't. I'm still smoking marijuana. How am I going to teach this class? And he said, do it. I started teaching the men. Tammy and I got involved in the junior high. We got involved with junior church. I began to make visits. When I was working with the, uh, with the uh, junior high kids, I, every day I would stop by one of them's house in the afternoon on the way home and visit them and see how they were doing. 
That's what we're missing today. Some of them were in fatherless homes. I work with the, X, the XYZ van, that's what they called it. The elderly people, I would pick them up. I'd drive the bus. Tammy and I worked in Awanas. Sometimes we only had uh, two teachers with 40 kids. All I knew is that I was sold out for Jesus Christ. I was sold out. I remember when I went to work, I was in uh, business with uh, uh, two of my friends. I remember when I rededicated my life to the Lord when I went to work the next day. And I told them what took place. They took it as a joke. They took it as a joke. They set a bottle of 151 rum on my desk and some, some joints, and I raked them off in the trash can. I said, I don't need that anymore. And I witnessed to them and witnessed to them. But this is how your life can change. So we were serving faithfully in the church. I was sold out for Christ. Does that mean that I was perfect? No. But in order to avoid the things that I did before, I avoided the things. The bars I used to go to, I would make sure I didn't even go that route anymore. I stayed away from those things as far as I could. A couple years after Hurricane Andrew hit Homestead, we chose to move to Wilmington because Tammy was losing her job. And they told her she could transfer, that she could find a place. Isn't that what they told you? So we chose Wilmington because we were very familiar with it. It just so happened at that time that we got a new pastor. His name was Denny Dixon. And he was friends with Pastor Tilly. This is how God works. Tammy had already came up before I did. I stayed behind to make sure that uh, everything took place with the house, selling the house and getting the kids ready and everything. And she came up, she was going to find a church to go to. Now me, I told Tammy when we move, I'm going to sit in a pew or a chair and I'm just going to glean from the Word of God. I'm not going to do, do anything. I'm just, I'm just going to glean. I'm going to be fed. So we come up here and I told Tammy, she said, I found a church. In my mind, I'm thinking Grace or Scott's Hill. These bigger churches, peace. And we come here on a Wednesday night, I'll never forget it. And there was just a handful of people. I remember Mrs. Barnhill, sweet, sweet, precious Christian lady. And there was just a handful of people. And I told Tammy when we left, I said, there ain't no way I'm going to that church. They've got too much of a need. And here's what the Holy Spirit said to me. If you're not here to serve, don't go to church at all. Liberty became our home and it became our mission field. And to show you how God works, I didn't even plan on being an associate pastor. 
But that's the way that God works things out, isn't it? I wanted to learn more about the Word of God, so I started taking classes. I'd had a lot of college credits. University, UNCW wouldn't take them. I wanted to be a teacher. They wouldn't take them, so I just gave up on that. Decided to take some Bible courses. And next thing I know, I've got a bachelor's degree. Wasn't even looking for it. God works. But here's what I want you to take away from my testimony. There's nothing in your life that God cannot forgive. I remember I heard a young man got saved and he became a pastor. And one of his friends wrote him a letter one time and listed every sin that he had committed. Called him a hypocrite. So he took that letter before the church and he read it. And he said, you know, I'm ashamed of the things that I've done. But I'm not ashamed of Jesus. That's why I'm reluctant to give my testimony. There's a lot of things in between I didn't tell you. I was a wicked, wicked person. Never planned on becoming that. But when we make choices in our life, they can lead us down a dark path. And we always have to understand that God's grace can overwhelm, can overpower it. And He's always there and willing to forgive. And I want to say once again, if it had not been for the love of my mother and her prayers and Tammy's prayers, I'm not sure I'd even be here today. And that is the God's honest truth. Because I've even gone as far as selling drugs. But that's my past. And He's cleansed me from all unrighteousness. So if you're out there and you've done something in your life, and Satan wants to throw that up in your face, all you got to do is point to him and say, I'm forgiven. I am forgiven. And that's how God sees you. White as snow. Thank you for listening to me this morning.